Well met, dreamer, and welcome to Nocturne, the umbral planet of twilight tales and slumberant songs. One might be familiar with the head-height trappings of the winter holidays. Perhaps one has seen a golden star at the top of a supremely conical fir tree, laden with shining baubles and spiraling tinsel. A stocking stretched long with gifts from loved ones. Or, mayhaps, a wreath of deep green holly welcoming you home. But how much do you decorate the floor with on Christmas? This oversight is expected of those who treat the floor as a place for their feet and prefer to maintain their senses higher up in the world. These people may believe that the humble wooden floorboard or cold flagstone is no place for a nose let alone an eye. But entertain me a moment. Push your face to the ground and look across the lengthened landscape of the floor and tell me what you see. Perhaps a few fallen fir needles or lost pieces of tinsel or maybe a fallen holly leaf. Up high, this is considered a mess, not decoration. Yet, down low, these become scented signposts, glistening mysteries, or even prickling dangers. Especially for those with sensitive and inquisitive noses. Long of nostril and short of leg, covered in fur and disinclined to beg, after many months of training, that is, Courgette the Corgi's first year on Nocturne tempered him into a master of the floors. To him, tasting a dried puddle of water or sniffing an errantly dropped tissue is as informative as reading the newspaper. 
While an expert in the lowly places, the taller festive adornments did not evade Courgette's sharp senses. Large objects were perceived and observed with much the same rigor, but they were more challenging for him to investigate. Their height typically relegated them to fanciful fascinations, potentially important, but well beyond his ability to engage with them. This was not always through a lack of trying. A recent addition to the house had occupied undue space in his thoughts. That an admittedly small fir tree was now growing in the living room was quite baffling to Courgette. Trees were, in his experience, very outside things. He had seen small plants inside, sure, but a tree? The tree had even moved his basket to the other side of the room to make space for itself. When he first saw the evergreen interloper, Courgette approached it hesitantly, and then, once it was in reach of his mouth, he inquisitively pulled at and nibbled its lower branches. The tree resisted his tugs and sprung back into place much like a normal tree would. It had a sharp menthol taste that was similar to other trees he'd seen. Courgette had barely confirmed to himself that, yes, this was actually and definitely a real tree before his dear Felix plucked him from the floor, ceasing his investigations and placed him in his basket with a look that suggested in no uncertain terms that Courgette was not to repeat what he just did. Courgette loved Felix with all his heart, but Felix's intervention gave him cause to ponder what shadowy machinations might have moved Felix to obstruct his search for the truth. Courgette had scrutinized many trees in such a manner as this, yet why was this one off-limits? Something odd was brewing, and Courgette neither liked nor desired the presence of this branching twit. One only has a limited amount of energy in this world, so Courgette ignored the tree as best he could and returned his focus to the little enigmas that presented themselves obligingly at nose level. The tree was only the beginning of Courgette's woes. More peculiarities presented themselves in the days after the arrival of that trunked-up tormentor, and he couldn't help but suspect that the tree was behind it all. Courgette noticed that floors had become colder often forcing him to the carpeted portions of the home as quickly as his legs would toddle. When this was impractical, like when he waited for Felix to prepare breakfast, Courgette hopped from side to side to limit how long his feet needed to meet the ground. Then the most peculiar cubes of many colors appeared underneath the tree. Courgette had approached them for further investigation and just as he picked up one of the smaller cubes in his mouth, 
Freya swiftly removed him from the scene and placed him back in his basket. He thought it might be a berry, but it was too large and angular. But what else could it be? Another day, another inquiry thwarted by his supposed betters. From his basket, he stared across the room at the strange cubes and resented the decorative bows that adorned them. Letting out a defeated wheeze from his nostrils, his songlight earrings pulsed a deep red. These were ill omens indeed. If he could not explore them, then Courgette wished they would all just disappear and leave him alone. One morning, weeks after the arrival of the tree, Courgette sleepily blinked the sleep from his eyes and yawned widely. Shaking himself into full wokeness, he stretched his legs to their ends and rolled out of his basket. He looked over at the tree, as he had done every morning since its arrival, and his heart dropped. Overnight, many more of these cubes had grown. They had now spread wider than the lowest branches of the tree could reach. There was no telling where or when they would stop growing, or even whether another tree might start growing. As these thoughts addled Courgette, he was interrupted by Felix rushing into the kitchen. Felix fussed over Courgette before hurriedly preparing breakfast for him. As Courgette chomped his last morsel of food, he heard Felix continuing to make more noise in the kitchen. Looking back, he saw Felix making more food, much more than Freya and Felix would usually eat in the morning. Lifting his nose up, a quick sniff of the air trapped thick scents of savory pastry and rosemary. This was unlike any breakfast he'd smelled before, but... He knew what happened to puppies that asked too many questions about anything related to that infernal tree. He was sure this latest anomaly was just the result of this tree's misguided doings. If only he could prove it. Courgette recused himself to his basket and pulled a blanket over his head. New foods and the chance to eat them had always been exciting to him, but if it was related to that tree, then he wanted no part of it. Hunkering down in his basket, Courgette convinced himself that if he could stay here in his warm, safe, and quiet basket until everything went back to normal again, that would be the best. He had begun to doze and dream of summer when he was awoken by a sharp series of knocks on the door. He heard Felix go and open it, and then speak in a welcoming fashion as a cold draft whipped towards Courgette and penetrated the blankets of his basket. This was followed by the shuffling of many feet and the chattering of many voices. The puncturing of his small piece gave Courgette cause to poke his nose and eyes from under the covers. He saw people lots of people. 
people big and small, and whose scents were both familiar and unfamiliar. Two of the smallest people turned towards him and let out a shriek before running over to him. He ducked deep into his basket as the two small people stole the blankets from him, then poked and pulled clumsily at his fur. Courgette unleashed an instinctual and guttural set of barks, and the two tiny people flinched and ran away from him. Felix rushed over to him and spoke in a concerned but stern tone. Felix pointed to the dog flap while looking disappointedly in Courgette's direction. Courgette understood that unless he wanted to be even colder, then he must stay quiet. At least the tiny people were afraid to come close to him in his basket now. Courgette wanted less of everything right now, but kept getting more and more. As the day wore on, more people arrived, and with each arrival, that cold chill and loud noise followed them, freeing Courgette's tattered patience. They also brought more of those odd cubes with them and placed them under that accursed tree. He considered dragging that tree back to where it came from and plotted a route to the nearest forest he could remember. It was all in vain, though. If he even attempted such a feat, he did not doubt that he would be dumped outside in the cold for the rest of the evening. Such was the influence of that tree on Freya and Felix. Snarling inside, he paused to consider that fate for a moment. Yes, it was cold outside. However, it was always calm outside. It could be wet too out there, but there were no hands or feet to worry about, and no loud noises, and while there were trees outside, that's precisely where they were supposed to be. The more he thought about this, the more he felt confined to his basket, and the more he wished to break free from it. His heart was set. He would be going outside. Amid the ever-rising chatter where people competed to be louder than the discussion next to them, Courgette strode over to the tree and looked at Freya and Felix. They sat on a sofa surrounded by guests sitting in all places just to fit in. He barked joyfully, earrings glowing a bright green, and they waved and smiled at him. Now he had their attention, Courgette immediately bit the tree and began to pull at it as hard as he could. It was no less than the tree deserved for the torment it had provided him these past weeks. Before he could do more than rustle a bauble from a branch, Freya sprinted from her seat and took him from the floor and into her arms. She began walking towards the dog flap and Courgette smiled with an open mouth and a dangling tongue. Mission accomplished. Freya placed him down, pointed outside, and then hesitated just a moment before walking away. Courgette worried that she had a change of heart, but 
she returned quickly with Courgette's cold weather coat and winter booties. Freya dressed him a little more forcefully than usual, then unceremoniously ushered him through the dog flap and out into the garden. Before him lay a wide square garden surrounded by hedges, with a small but noble dark oak tree in the center and a pristine layer of snow covering its entirety. When he landed outside, the snow came up and over his booties and found its way through Courgette's fur, making him shiver while his warm breath steamed in the cool air. It was not comfortable, but the discomfort was as consistent and predictable as the crunch of compacted snow under his waddling footsteps. Finally free of what had ailed him, he gratefully tasted the fresh air and his nose became cleansed by the crisp, diminished scents of frozen nature. The smell of green grass was scarcely noticeable and instead, the prominent earthy aroma of black-brown bark from the tree pulled him towards its trunk. Now, this was a real tree, he thought to himself. For Courgette, each footstep was like climbing a set of foam stairs that never went upwards as his boot-covered feet lifted to the top of the snow and then sank deeply until they hit the cold-hardened ground at the bottom. When he reached the tree, a new scent filled his nose. The delicate mustiness of another animal. He swiveled his head left to right, searching for the source, until he pointed his head upwards towards the tallest branches of the tree, where he spotted a motionless, red-breasted robin staring back at him. They both remained still, unable to judge what the other intended. The robin cut the tension with a melody of chirps, glowing a kindly brown hue of songlight as it did. Courgette felt a welcoming energy from the robin and wagged his tail cordially in response, then voiced a soft yip accompanied by a sympathetic green glow from his songlight earrings. While he did so, the robin skittered from one end of the branch to the other, trying and failing to find a viewing angle that revealed a threatening demeanor from Courgette. The robin, now convinced it was speaking to a trustworthy and like-minded being, let out another melody of chirps and released a dense, swirling cloud of earth-colored songlight that occasionally stopped to peer and look around the garden. Courgette responded as best he could, but he could not make much songlight of his own. So he looked back at his home, let out a resigned growl, then looked 
back at the robin, and yipped warmly again, his earrings shining a pleasant green as he did. The robin seemed to bow before flapping its wings and hovering above the branch. Still watching Courgette, the robin glided around in a few small circles before fluttering down from the tree and closer to Courgette. Courgette stepped towards the robin, then, as he did, the robin bolted up and away from him before turning around to watch him again. Courgette wondered if he was being teased or being asked to follow. Either way, he would have to follow the robin, so he obligingly ran alongside it as best he could. They reached a gate that separated the garden from the rest of the world, and he watched the robin fly up and over the hedge. Now, Courgette was a good boy. He typically had little desire to leave the garden when placed out here by Freya and Felix. However, he had always taken note of a gap between the gate and the surrounding hedge should he ever have need to leave. Now was such a time, so he pushed at the gap with his nose, wriggled his way towards the optimum opening, and then pushed at the supple branches of the hedge that agreed to give way to him. Pushing through the gap and reaching the other side, Courgette now found himself in an open, snow-covered meadow with a line of thick trees not too far in the distance. He searched for the robin and quickly found it chirping happily above his head before it flew away towards the line of trees. Courgette raced after it, bounding over the snow and sinking deep into it with every jumping step he took. His paws suffered the occasional branch or rock underfoot to maintain his speed, and soon he reached the tree line. He'd lost sight of the robin again and worried that might have been the end of their journey, until his keen ears detected a duet of cheeps in the branches above him. The robin came into view and descended towards him, joined by a slightly larger and redder robin. When they reached Courgette, they both flew in circles around his head, singing and glowing together as their tawny song lights mixed and matched. Mesmerized by their dance, Courgette almost forgot to follow them when they zipped into the forest, but his brain quickly caught up with his feet and he scrambled after them. The tops of the trees blocked the light of the moons and made finding the fastest path through the dark oaks, bushes, and rocks even harder. The robins had no such obstacles in their way and pulled far ahead of him before stopping to circle back and find him again whenever it was needed. Courgette lost himself in the chase, focusing all his might into his tiny legs and all his mind on the shortest path between him and the robins. The path began to brighten until the thickness of the trees failed and the world opened up around him into a vast circle illuminated by the brilliant white light of Saint Cecilia.
The brightness of the moonlight on the snow strained his eyes before they adjusted themselves to the new surroundings. As his vision cleared, Courgette looked upon a great fir tree that towered above him in the middle of the circle. Courgette didn't know whether the clearing or the tree had come first, but it was clear that the giant fir tree now owned this space. From its branches hung thick green needles that resisted the pressing weight of the snow on top of it. He took a large breath in, and his nostrils filled with the thick scent of spicy menthol, which reminded him of that interloping tree back home. He became wary once again, and chose to remain near the edge of the clearing, while the two robins flew in looping patterns towards the fir tree. Then the robins turned around and beckoned to him to come closer. He felt himself resist. Too many negative tree experiences of late. But he saw that the robins were joined by streams of fluttering red-breasted birds entering the clearing from all angles. Snow slid off of the great fir tree's branches with each robin's successful landing. Then that snow fell to the ground with rhythmic echoing thumps that crescendoed louder and louder as more robins rested at their favorite spots on the tree. The twitters and chirps of the robins intensified as pockets of brown sunlight from each bird joined together, transforming into brilliant red circles that flickered into being. Courgette's resistance melted, and he sat and watched in awe as the robins, birdsong, and songlight filled the great fir tree. When no more birds came, he saw a deep emerald green light lift from the great fir tree like a radiant smoke. It started as wisps of green at the trunk that wound their way around each branch before reaching the farthest tip of those branches, then swirled up and around the tree. When the smoky emerald songlight reached the top of the tree, it detached itself from the tip and diffused into the sky disappearing into the atmosphere. Courgette found himself waddling towards the base of the great fir tree and joined the chorus of birdsong by gently whining along with the tune of the robins. A golden yellow light whipped up from his mouth and into the tree where he saw it intermingle with the lights from the birds and the tree. He moved closer to the tree, placing his head against the bark. He felt closer to the great mystery of the moment, and his little doggy heart filled with simple, unsullied joy. He wailed louder and heard his voice phase into the chorus of birds. He knew not how long he stayed there, only when he left. He witnessed groups of birds trickling away from the tree and watched as their red glow dampened and disappeared. As they did, the song quietened into barely a hum, and soon he was left yelping to the tree alone, watching its emerald light melt into the air. Life had returned to just the colors and luminosity that Saint Cecilia could bring out in them. He sat for a moment, trying not to think of 
anything at all when a thought of critical importance forced its way to the front of his mind. How do I get home? He looked around and, perceiving that no part of the clearing was closer to home than the other, searched for the robins who brought him here. He barked and then the robins chirped with a warm familiarity above his head once again. They fluttered around before soaring towards the tree line and he followed them briskly. The indiscernible patterns of rocks and trees transitioned from the unknown to the recognizable as he rushed after the two robins until he soon found himself at the edge of the meadow he started in. Upon seeing his home across the meadow, Courgette felt the weight of a farewell yet to have fared, as did the two robins, who, for the last time, sang wistfully to Courgette. He howled back as happily as he could before the robins took flight and became lost in the night sky. Courgette sat alone in the snow. He wanted to share how he felt with someone, but it felt as if leaving this spot would strip him of any feeling worth sharing. Sitting still, he became cold, too cold to remain where he was, and began a slow walk across the meadow to the gate of his garden. He heard Freya and Felix calling his name, so Courgette squeezed through the gap between the gate and the hedge and voiced a joyful bark. The twins ran over to him and smothered him in warm hugs as they brought him back inside the house. Inside, it was quiet once again. All those people had gone home. All that remained of their presence were some empty plates and half-drunk glasses and colorful confetti left on the floor. The colored cubes underneath the tree had disappeared too. Feeling calmer, Courgette nibbled at a late-night snack while the twins wished him good night, turned off all the song lamps downstairs, and went up to their bedrooms. Tired from his adventure, Courgette considered the interloping tree from the warmth of his basket. It was smaller and more inside than the great fir tree, but they were essentially the same to Courgette now only that he hadn't observed this tree glowing even once. He wondered if the tree was sleeping. Perhaps the tree missed being outside, and if it wasn't outside, perhaps it also missed the song of the robins and the feel of the snow and the light of the moon. No birds were coming to sing for this tree, thought Courgette, and he felt the sadness he believed this tree must feel. He walked up to the tree, stepping past the green needles that had fallen from its branches and gently whined the tune of the birds as gently as he could so as not to wake the twins at such a late hour. As he sang, a small ribbon of golden songlight wound up and around the tree like a hug. As it did, the tree pulsed with a diminished and ephemeral green light. Sensing this resonance, Courgette felt he understood the tree for the first time. He slept under the tree that night, singing the song of the birds as long as his eyes could stay open. 
and Courgette did this every night after that evening as well, sleeping under the branches of the tree and waking every morning to its gentle, menthol scent. In the weeks after Courgette made peace with the tree, he saw one winter morning that Freya and Felix were undressing the tree of its baubles and tinsel. He watched at them, confused as to why they would do this after looking after it for so long. Courgette considered the tree part of the family now. His confusion grew into worry when the twins took the tree outside and laid it out on the frost-covered ground. Courgette sniffed frantically at the fallen needles that marked its path from inside to out, while Freya went to the shed and retrieved an axe. Courgette had seen them use that axe to cut firewood many times before. He knew the fate of that wood and felt a deep sense of resistance to seeing this tree sharing that fate. As Freya approached the tree and lifted the axe above her head, Courgette barked furiously at her, his ears glowing a glorious red. She stopped, lowered the axe to her side, and Courgette quietened. Then she raised the axe above her head again, and Courgette scrambled towards Freya's feet, barking harshly all the while. The two twins looked at each other, shrugged their shoulders, and then returned the axe to the shed, leaving the tree laid flat on the ground for Courgette, before they went back inside the house. Alone and outside with the fallen tree, Courgette made certain with himself that he would not forget this tree. He whined the song of the birds gently to the fallen tree for hours that day, and many more, watching his golden light inspire that soft green glow from the tree. Many months after the snow had turned to rain and the cold had turned to warmth, Courgette came outside as he usually would just after breakfast and sang the song of the birds for the tree. Courgette glowed with golden sunlight, but that day the tree didn't respond with its usual green glow. He sang again, but still, no green appeared. Heavy tears pooled in his eyes before he even knew why. His friend was no more, and that was a great sadness. But Courgette cried tears of love, for well, he hoped now that the tree would never be lonely again. <laughs> 